God is a righteous God, and He is a God who you should not play around with. Amen? You don't mess around with Him like that. Now, understand something. None of us really get off easy when it comes to how we have done things that are contrary to God's word, contrary to God's uh, will. There are things that we have done where we deserve to be punished as well, too, and yet we have been blessed because God has shown us mercy. Mercy is the key word here. We have what we have because of God's mercy. And, you know, for those who are saying, well, you know, why didn't Aaron's sons get mercy? Well, because ultimately it comes down to God knowing the hearts of the individuals that he created. If your heart is not sincerely looking after God or looking to God, he can make a decision and say, you know what, then that's it for you. The only thing we've got going for us is grace and mercy that God gives us through salvation, life, living a life for him, giving us the desire to live for him. These are all things that he does for us. What are we doing? The only thing he calls us to do is just be obedient to him, to focus on him. That's all he calls us to do. When we are obedient to him, that is like a a wonderful fragrance to him. That's what's really important for us to understand. And yet he shows us mercy because we aren't always that wonderful fragrance. We usually wind up doing things that are not godly. And so we have to understand that God is showing us mercy. When we looked at the top of the handout on page number two about the different wrong attitude or actions you have been guilty of presenting before God, we had said a couple of weeks ago in that, those bold boxes that every one of those things we are, have been guilty of at one time or another. Every one of those things, the hypocrisy, indifference, pride, a sense of entitlement, lack of preparation, disobedience, unforgiveness, self-centeredness, not coming before God at all. And there's a section number 10 there where it says other, where you get to fill in the blank. If that other things that you haven't done, there may be something else there. You can fill in the other and say all of those things we've been guilty of at one time or another. Amen? None of us gets off scot-free. We don't get off scot-free. We need God to forgive us on a daily basis. Amen? We need his forgiveness on a daily basis. And the ones like Aaron's sons, where they were struck down because they were doing something that they shouldn't have done, they didn't seem to think that they needed to do anything to be forgiven for. When you get like that, you are in big trouble. When you are at a point where you don't think you need God's forgiveness, you're in big trouble. Of course, we're talking about people who live in the world who are like that. And yet, God is merciful. That's my last one. So, this is what we need to keep in mind. When we come before God with sin, sin shows up as actions and attitudes that don't honor God. Amen? Sin doesn't honor God. It's in direct contrast to God. And yet, he shows us mercy. And we had a brief discussion a couple of weeks ago about 
even when we are not at our best, sometimes we feel like we can put a bad attitude on top of that. If things aren't going our way, if things aren't going well, we can feel justified saying, well, you know, why isn't this going my way? I'm going to have a bad attitude. There was a cartoon, I remember, um, I think it was Alvin and the Chipmunks. And Alvin and the Chipmunks, and there was something where, uh, yeah, somebody read something about Alvin saying, you have a bad temper. And, of course, what did Alvin do? A bad temper I have not. And he started doing like this. He did exactly what was said. He had a bad attitude. And sometimes we live out those bad attitudes before how we, as far as how we treat people, don't we? We mistreat people. You know, hopefully we're not cussing somebody out. Amen? But maybe you're doing it in your head. But the bottom line is that those are things that we need to be very, very mindful of when we are called to be children of Jesus Christ. We need to have less bad attitudes, more good attitudes, and yet, even more than that, more graciousness for what God has done for us. Being gracious. How many of you are appreciative of where you are today because of what God has done? I mean, that's really what we have to come back to. Do things always go our way? Of course not. Are things always going to be great? No. Have they been great? I know that you can recall times in your life where things were lousy. But yet, even in those times when God you know, allowed those lousy things to happen in your life, He was still being gracious to you. Which is something you don't think about at the time, but when you come back and look on it, you say, you know what? He really was. He really was gracious. Even though you were going through a difficult time, a difficult time or a difficult, a difficult patch in your life, God was still gracious. I haven't talked about this very often, but one thing I can honestly say after, during the time frame when I went through my first divorce, and it was literally like one of those things where day by day, it was kind of this thing where you were just in this bit of a malaise, but you just kind of went day by day, but you still saw in the midst of all that, or at least I still saw God's goodness. It didn't mean it wasn't painful. It didn't mean it wasn't difficult, because it certainly was. But you still see glimpses of God's goodness in the midst of that. It changes your perspective on things. I know that being older, when they say, you know, when you're older you get wiser, well, hopefully you do. You learn from your experiences as you get older. You don't want to be like Nabal, the guy who's a fool pretty much his entire life before he got taken out. Sometimes that strange fire that we bring to God is self-centeredness and anger. And it reminded me of when I was typing this, we talked about Jonah, and we won't go over that whole thing again, but we remember how Jonah, and we know how the book of Jonah ends in Jonah chapter 4, where Jonah who was a preacher, who was a man of God, who was asked to deliver a sermon and a message to a people that he utterly hated. But he knew God's character and knew that God would 
get those people saved by delivering that message. But he held a grudge. He was angry about that. Let me ask you something. Do you get angry when, would you get angry, for example, if a Muslim got saved? Let's use a parallel here. But yet Jonah was angry. Very interesting take. Even though someone was actually coming, people were actually getting saved, he cared about those people more. And that was the lesson here that we all need to see in Jonah chapter 4. It wasn't about Jonah's attitude. It was about how God cares about those people we don't even care anything about. And loves them. And gave them grace and mercy to be able to hear his word, to repent and turn to him. Well, that's something we should be rejoicing over. For whatever reason, Jonah couldn't rejoice over that. That might be the biggest takeaway from that. And we look back again, he was a preacher, chosen by God to deliver that word. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. You mean if they didn't if they didn't get saved right. and so there would be eternal punishment because of the fact that they murdered somebody. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. But that goes back to the sovereignty of God, doesn't it? And it goes back to how he truly does want to see every person come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That should be our character. If that's his desire, that's what our desire should be. That's right. Theoretically, yes. That's why I said theoretically. Because that, again, goes back to the very character of God, talking about if God forgives you, can you forgive others? Can you think in your lifetime of a person who just used to mess with you all the time? Back in school days, folks that would torture you, be mean to you all the time for no good reason other than maybe they were jealous of you or whatever it was, but whatever it was, now you have being called to forgive that person. Forgive them. You can't do it maybe face to face. Maybe they're gone from here. Or can you forgive somebody who is an abuser of you? That's what we're called to do. That's what we're challenged to do. And it may take For some of us, a lifetime of prayer to do that. But ultimately, we have to come to that conclusion. Yes. That's correct. 
Oh, yeah, you're the one that's stuck. That person had gone on and done whatever. They done forgot all about you. The one that was torturing you, picking on you in school, doing all kinds of stuff to you, whatever it was, that person's moved on. You're the one who's stuck because you haven't reconciled with that. I mean, we're called not to do what? Get, take re- out revenge on someone like that. In other words, you shouldn't be going and looking for so-and-so. That Joe Jones who messed with me in eighth grade, I'm going to come and kick his butt. It's like 40 years later. Well, you really haven't reconciled that at all, have you? You had your hand up. I'm sorry. Yep. And I think we, we think that we just have to be back in relationship uh, when it comes to that forgiveness piece. And sometimes that's not, you're not able to do that. And nor, uh, I don't think you should put yourself repeatedly in uh, harm's way. No. To be re-ended over and over and over and over. Again. True. But there... Well... You shouldn't be putting yourself in harm's way, but that's still separate from the forgiveness piece. Yes. That's right. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for your honest response. I will just share with you and challenge you. That's a fleshly response. It is. Because ultimately that comes down to you're basically saying you want to be like, you want that person to be like Pharaoh where God was hardening his heart over and over again, yet he was still doing stuff and inflicting things. And we don't know what happened to Pharaoh. We don't know what the end result was based upon what Scripture says. We know that he just kept his heart, heart was hardened. But for you to want something like that for someone else, that's going to be contrary to what God would have. And what you're now doing is now you're embittering. You've got to be very careful about that. Yeah, there, there's pedophilia out there. There is people who are doing untold crimes all over the world. No question about it. That's the state of man. That's been the state of man for centuries. This is nothing new. The only difference is, is that it's now more public. But this has been what man has been involved in ever since, you know, the days of, you know, after the fall of man. This stuff's been going on. Nothing new. So we need to understand that even with all those things happening and all those things continuing, God's character hasn't changed. There's nothing that's changed about him whatsoever. Yes. Yes, that's right. 
That's right. That's the thing we have to understand. God's word is very consistent about forgiveness and challenges us to think. And it's that you know, this is like that 70 times 7, that 490th time, well, the 491st time, ah, forget that. Because that's the flesh. See? So we need to always come back and look at how you make the point about prayer. God knows that we need Him to overcome this flesh. Because that's ultimately what it comes down to. We all have to rely upon Him to overcome this flesh. But we also need to understand that in that reliance upon him to overcome this flesh, he's still showing us grace and mercy for our thoughts, for our actions, for our behaviors. He's still showing us grace and mercy. While we get our act together, he's consistent. And goodness knows we need to get our act together all the time. This is ongoing. Amen? So we saw what happened with Jonah. Let's go back to Psalm 130. What does Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4, say about our ability to stand before God? Let's go to Psalm 130. Look at verse 3. We're going to look at verses 3 and 4. Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4. This is what we need to always be remind, reminding ourselves of when we look at where we are versus where God is. Because sometimes you have to have that measuring stick. Because we, in our own minds, can declare ourselves to be gods. Amen? Amen? We, yeah, nobody was really going to jump in on the bandwagon with that, but it's very true you can declare yourself to be your own God in your behavior. Absolutely. You've, you can make decisions. You have free will to do whatever you choose to do. But it says in verse 3, Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? Now, you've got to personalize that. You have to personalize that. Who could stand? Verse 4. But with you there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. We are forgiven because he is the one who can forgive us. And he does through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. Where we can declare him to be our holy, righteous God. Because we can't measure up, plain and simple. 
We can't measure up. Who could stand? The most righteous person living today could not stand before God. And I know that ain't me. I'm somewhere near the bottom. Amen? Well, you ain't got to be so agreeable about that. But that's the whole point. We're all in that area where we, need, we are not righteous at all. There's no righteousness in us unless he declares it to be so through the blood of Christ. It's not on our own. Sinful man cannot stand before holy God on his own terms and live. Let's take a quick peek at Exodus chapter 33. This is also a reminder, too. This is, again, consistent with God's character. Understand something. You have to think about this. When we look at God, we have our own ways of seeing him or viewing him. Amen? Based upon what Scripture says. This particular passage in verse 20 of Exodus 33 God is so holy, so righteous, so unbelievable that when if we were to look at him face to face, we couldn't live because of our state. That's what we had to take away from it. It's not like if the Raiders of the Lost Ark, when they opened up the ark and, and the Nazis, they just melted. You know, nothing like that. No, we're not talking about that type of... You can't open or look at God because your face is going to melt off or something like that. Anybody remember that movie? Did you remember seeing that movie? Some of you are probably wondering, what are you, what are you talking about? Is it, well, who hasn't seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? I don't know. Okay. Well, yeah, when you open it, you haven't seen that? Oh, okay, well, I'm not going to say go and get a clip on YouTube and go look it up for yourself, but... <laughs> But, if, but they had taken the ark and they had, you know, opened up the ark and what they said was a beautiful image at first and all of a sudden their faces started melting. Okay. So just trust me on that for those who haven't seen the movie, okay? But we're not talking about that. We're talking about you in comparison to God's holiness. You can't measure up. He added, you cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live. Humans, human beings, people like us, because we're humans. We're not like him. Well, we are created in his image, but we're not like him. Even if you can't think of any unauthorized fire you've carted into God's presence lately, we are, by our very nature, lawbreakers who deserve what Aaron's sons received. Is that kind of a hard pill to swallow? We deserve what Aaron's sons got. If you really think about it. Again, go back and look at that box up at the top. We deserve that very fate. But we didn't get it. Now let's go to Romans 6.23. Please.
All of us know Romans 6, well, most of us know Romans 6.23, amen? Here's the thing. We want to sin and do sinful things, but we don't want to deal with consequences, amen? Amen? Because we sin every day in some way, shape, or form. But... There are consequences for our sin. And look what it says in verse 23 of Romans 6. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Well, that's the ultimate consequence, isn't it? That's the ultimate consequence. And guess what Aaron's sons got? Exactly that. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love verses like this where it says, but. Because but means there's an opening. There is something that helps to counter that consequence, those wages. It's a gift from God. Now what's a gift? It's an extension of grace. It's an extension of mercy. That's what a gift is. When you're giving a gift to someone, and hopefully it's not like, well, if I give you a gift, you've got to give me a gift back. No, a gift is a gift. It's not an exchange of goods. A gift is a gift. No strings attached. God gives us this gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord out of grace and mercy. Because, A, we need it. He knows we need it. We can't do anything to overcome the first part of this verse without God's grace and mercy. If that verse ended after the word death, then we're doomed. We don't have anything to look forward to. But because he gives us his gift, we have eternal life. The wages of our sin should be death, but what what does Hebrews 8.12 show we receive instead? Let's take a look. Hebrews 8.12. This is what I meant about getting back into the groove here because we've been away for a couple of weeks now. And we need to go back. And sometimes it's good to get back into the basics. And this is basic stuff to remind us of how blessed we really are. Amen? We're blessed. We are blessed. You know, we've been talking about, yeah, we got 10 inches of snow last week and there's a foot of snow here and people getting stuck and getting pushed out. And, you know, but we're here. We're here. We get through stuff. That's what life is all about. And it's going to be cold this week too. And guess what? God in His grace will get through that too. Look what it says in Hebrews 8.12. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and I will never again remember their sins. What? Do you believe that? Never again remember their sins. Now, understand something. 
those sins are on record. But God has, in his character, is saying, even though they're on record, I'm going to turn the page and we're going to move on from here because you've asked for forgiveness of those sins. Amen? Because we don't forget stuff that we've done. We, we don't, it's not like we, our, mind, our minds are wiped. Our memory is just wiped out. Well, of course, God knows about those things too. But he is taking the attitude, unlike us when we get a bad attitude, he's taking the attitude, I am turning the page. I am turning the corner. Use all those different euphemisms. I am moving on from where you were and saying, let's start fresh. I will forgive their wrongdoing and I will never again remember their sins. You know why? Because if you remembered your sins, you would get death. If he was keeping a checklist of the stuff you've done, you wouldn't make it. Thank you. You wouldn't make it. You'd be doomed. You wouldn't make it. That's the same equivalent by looking God straight in the face. You wouldn't make it. Knowing what you've done, knowing where you've come from, knowing what you've been involved in, you wouldn't make it. His holiness would just blow you away. So we are thankful for God's grace and mercy and the fact that he forgives us. When he says, I'll forgive their wrongdoing and I'll never again remember their sins... Praise the Lord one billion times. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's what we need to always keep in mind. Even though we've had a bad attitude, we want to cuss somebody out, we want to have all this. The fact of the matter is, is that if we ask for God's forgiveness, he'll say, okay. Okay. Let's start fresh. Because he truly does want to have a relationship with you. He truly wants to continue to mold and shape you. He truly wants to continue to get you to have a heart for him so that you can in turn reach others with that heart, that mindset. God gives us mercy instead of punishment. If grace is receiving that which we do not deserve, mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. Get that? Mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. So we need to understand that those things are, when we talk about grace and mercy, grace is the extension of having these things that we have right now. Mercy means we're not getting punished. They mean two different things, is what I want you to understand there. God does not treat us as our sin deserves. If you went back to Psalm 103.10, let's do that real quick. Psalm 103.10, a very stark reminder of how God is indeed merciful. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve, or repaid us according to our iniquities. Amen? Amen? He has not dealt with us as we deserve. That's 
his choice. That's a choice that he's made. Jesus became sin on our behalf and received the wrath of God in order that we wouldn't. He paid the penalty for sin that we owed. He took what we deserve so we wouldn't have to. How important is it, was it for Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us? How important was that? It's everything. It's, it's everything. Why do we go through the effort of talking about you need Jesus, you need Jesus? You know, Charles Stanley this morning was talking about the same. Charles Stanley, if you watch him every week, it's a message about salvation and accepting Christ as Savior. Why? Because it's everything. It's everything. It's the difference between life and death. It's a life and death message. And truly, if we didn't have Christ, we wouldn't have anything. That goes back to Joanna's comment. We wouldn't make it. We don't suffer because we deserve it and are not spared from suffering because we deserve it. We suffer and are spared because God is sovereign and just. You get that? He's a sovereign and just God. We don't understand why some people behave the way they do. He allows it. That's his sovereignty. But he's still a just God and he decides, based upon those behaviors... And what the cutoff point is for those individuals. Because he knows the hearts of those individuals. But we don't know who that is. You can't begin to explain why you got tormented when you were in school. Can you? No. No explanation for that. Some kids were the cool kids. Some seem to always get over. Some seem to always have favor. And some didn't. You can't even begin to describe that. Why that happened. You know, some of say, well, it was there to shape your character. Ah, baloney. Some of that stuff you could have did without. I mean, ultimately it did shape your character, but that's the last thing you really want to hear. Stuff happens. We can't trace the why and why not of who deserves what in this life. But we can focus on what we do understand. None of us get what we truly deserve because we got mercy. We did not deserve instead. What is the greatest way anyone has ever shown you mercy? Let's look at it from a standpoint of just human beings. What is the greatest way anyone has ever shown you mercy? Can you think of anything? I'll challenge you. There are probably dozens of ways. At some different times of your life, you've been shown mercy. It doesn't always come to mind right away, but think about this. Sometimes you being extended mercy is God doing the very thing through that person. Go ahead, I'm sorry. God extended me mercy by all the people that I think of in my life that I should not be where I am today because I have been 
Yep. Yep. That's right. That's right. How many of you came up with a rough upbringing? You're hanging around the wrong folks all the time. Okay. And you're being honest. That's good. That's perfect. God kept you. See, that's the thing you have to understand. And it's nothing to be ashamed of, by the way. If he kept you, he had better plans for you, bigger plans for you. That's what you need to... That alone is a reason to be grateful. Because you know how that can turn the wrong way. I mean, there were people that I knew in my life, they weren't sketchy like, you know, they were shady all the time. But, you know, a a friend of mine who was very close, I was very close to, his ex-wife got shot to death. Admittedly, because she was doing things she shouldn't have been doing, and she got in with the wrong crowd. Yes. Okay. When I was back in high school and I was dating this guy, and he turned out to be a real idiot. He had this girl he always dated, but he would branch out and he'd take somebody else a while. And then she would, you know, bring him in and he would take it off. The guy would go back to her. When we were about 19, he committed suicide and killed his girlfriend at the time. And it was that girl that he always went back to. And I wrote that for the grace of God. That could have been me. Yeah, you've got to understand. And then this, I don't. I, obviously, you're going to be doing this after you leave the class. Think about how has God kept you. It may not be something extreme, but it may be something that's very pointed. Yes, Debbie. Sorry. Okay. There you go. You don't have to think that hard now, some of y'all. You don't have to think that hard. You know. You understand what this grace and mercy truly is. Even when you didn't know the Lord. Amen? Even when you didn't know the Lord, you have to understand that He, is, he, knew, that he knew about you. He knew about your character. He knew about your heart. So we'll pick up again next week. I think that was the first bell or was that the second bell? first bell so well let's ask the question how do you feel toward the person who showed mercy well you should be grateful grateful you may not be able to say thank you but you should be grateful but more often than not what you're going to find though too is that god is the one who is the one who was actually extending this mercy to you to pull you out of something that was bad pull you out of it pull you through it. And it's not, it's, sometimes it's even circumstances. <laughs> Go ahead. You had your hand. I was going to say, you know, even now in, your, in, your, in our busy lives, say we just stand and watch the dishes or just mm-hmm. sit and quietly, God will bring those things back to you. Yeah, He sure will. He'll show them to you. He'll almost give you the cold to you. 
Yep. What did I, what was I in and what did he get me out of? That's right. Yeah. He will do that. Amen. Talk about that memory. Sometimes that stuff, isn't it interesting how God will bring something out that you didn't even think about? It's repressed memory. And yet you're just standing there. And all of a sudden this thing comes to mind. Like, what in the world was I in? Lord, thank you, Jesus, for getting me out of it. Because we still have that memory. We know what we've been in. We know what we've done. We understand that because that's part of who we are in our flesh. But yeah, sometimes he'll bring that repressed memory out. It's like, whoo, holy moly. What was I doing? That's a reminder of God's goodness. Because only the Spirit can do that. That stuff's coming from nowhere. Spirit's reminding you of God's goodness. As you deal with the missing pieces in your life today, think about how you receive mercy from God. Then consider this thought that helps me. Your pain is not what makes you need mercy. Your pain is what God uses to expose the reality that you've been granted and sustained by mercy all along. All along. Pain is a reminder. It is a reminder. It reminds... Look, if it was always good all the time, what is there to be thankful for? If it was always good... What is there to be thankful for? That's all you know is good. But it's the pain that sometimes reminds us, brings up even that repressed memory about, Lord, you really have blessed me. You really have kept me. You really have shown grace. You've really shown mercy. Those are good reminders. Okay. We'll stop there. We'll finish this up and probably start a new lesson next week. Excuse me, but... It's always good to get back to the basics, amen? And remember why you're here. This is why you're here. This stuff we're talking about is why you're here. This is why you're doing what you're doing. This is why we need to have God speak to us and give us friendly, gentle reminders of why we do what we do. Because sometimes we go and say, man, Uh, uh, uh. you're not even making any sense when you say that right uh, uh. but it's good to have these reminders his mercy is in full force in full effect amen father we just thank you for this time that you've given us to reflect upon your goodness your grace. Lord, we are so thankful for the sacrifice on the cross through Jesus Christ that you made for us. Without that, we don't have anything. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for having that plan all along for us because you knew that we needed that. Even when we didn't know anything, we didn't know any better, we didn't understand, we didn't even know who you were. We just thank you. Lord, you're worthy to be praised. 
Help us to have hearts of forgiveness. Help us to have hearts of mercy on our own part. Even with all the things that we've seen in the world and understand. Lord, we know that you're still in control. And you still desire for everyone to come to that saving knowledge. We know that man will do things that will just make people shudder. But we also know that you are the one that can turn those hearts around. Thank you, Lord, for those things. We ask that you now bless the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Yeah.